Welcome to the fourth episode of Dauber's Draft. Our plan with the draft cast is to not only talk about prospects in the upcoming drafts, but to also have our Dauber prospect team writers join the draft cast and discuss the teams they cover. Um, we have decided to start with Nashville as we decided to be as random with our selection as NHL player safety is with its rulings. Um, as always, I am your host, Pat Quinn, associate editor of Dauber Prospects, and I've I think I've been forgetting to mention this. I cover the Capitals team, so yeah, I cover what prospects they have. Kyle Watson is the junior editor, co-host, crossover scout, and keeps posting these fantastic interview clips when he has time because he got a cool new job-ish. Our <laughs> um, more often than not co-host E2 is away today watching playoff games live in Finland. Um, he's also working on the upcoming draft rankings, and he also loves to be tweeted. Right, Kyle? Yes legendary twitter account <laughs> and then um kyle and i are joined today by curtis Rhines, who i may occasionally call chris um he is a dauber prospects team contributor for nashville and a video analyst for Stathletes. thanks for having me guys he's big important you guys are going to see him on the rise you get the dauber draft cast bump <laughs> or we're going to get the nashville curtis Rhines bump one of the two one of the um, two so yes, before we get started, remember to like and subscribe on YouTube or listen on Anchor along with Spotify, Apple iTunes, or, and Google Podcasts. We are powered by Instat as well. Yes. And then this is just my note for anyone watching on YouTube. If you can figure out where the background is from, uh, and I want specifics, tweet me. Since no one's tweeted me yet, you can also leave a comment on YouTube. Maybe that will get someone to guess. If not, I'll just give up in this. But yeah, if you can guess, you get a free Dauber's Prospect guide coming up in the future um so yeah so as we are going on looking at nashville we should first start with the two players who are rookies on the nhl roster we will start with philip tomasino um, i'm just going to give a little overview here he played in 61 of 67 nashville games far this year he averages just 11 minutes per game plays around a minute on the second power play 25 points to start, um, with 10 of those being goals. Uh, Curtis, do you want to tell us more about him? Um, so from the, since I'm from the Niagara area, I watched Tomasino since his rookie year with the Ice Dogs. And there was always the talent there, I think, because the Ice Dogs were also a very top-heavy team. They were very deep throughout his first couple years, especially with Akil Thomas, and then they got Jason Robertson. And then they brought in Studnika, too. Um, but as he grew, you could really see he was not only offensively talented, but defensively too. He's a really good two-way player, great skater. Um, and I think he's made the transition to pro pretty well this year already. I know me and you talked, Pat, and you said you wouldn't call him efficient NHL yet. I would say I respectfully disagree because I think, <laughs> I think he is an NHLer and I think it's only going to take a matter of time before Heinz finally moves him up in the lineup, which I think could already be past due at this point. He's producing a limited role the whole year. Like you said, he has a power play time, but I think he could easily contribute in the top six if they wanted him to. You have guys like Forsberg, who's a UFA this year. I can't remember if Granlin's a UFA this year or next year. No, he's got a, they saw a shiny new 25-mil five-year deal, I think. Oh, yeah. Offseason. Whoops. Never mind. Completely wrong about <laughs> Granlin. But I think as you see, if Forsberg moves on, you could see him as one of the potential guys to move up into that top six. I know they play tend to play different wings because Forsberg is usually a left, but he can play either. But I think that Tomasino is ready to break out even more. I don't think that will come until next year. But I think that Hines is going to really have to look at using him more just because I think he has that talent and he's shown it. Just he really hasn't been giving them, given the minutes to do so and really show him off to the rest of the league yet. He's kind of been stuck on line four. I think um, yeah. his most common line mates are Nick Cousins, who's like his number one common line mate, and either mm -hmm. Thomas Novak or Michael McCarron, the legendary Habs first pick. Yeah. <laughs> They pretty much hang together on line four. But, I mean, 25 points, that's what he has now, 10 goals. That's pretty good, right? It's like yeah, like he's still – I'm, I'm pretty sure four. he's still top 10 in Preds scoring, which, again, as you said, he's <laughs> able to the fourth line. It's pretty impressive. Yeah. You know, like, in the Preds scoring's up this year because their top line's been pretty solid all around, Johansson, Forsberg, and Duchesne, especially Duchesne. But I just think that – with the depth, I would say they have a pretty solid depth in their top nine right now. I wouldn't say it's probably the most top heavy. Like, obviously, there's more talented top nines around the league. 
but I would say with the additions of Trinan, Janot, like they really solidified at least their wing spots. I think that's maybe why another reason Tomasino hasn't gotten that chance yet. But I think by next year, depending who leaves in UFA or potentially in trades, because I think they're going to end up having to clear some cap this summer with some of the contracts they have, because some of them aren't really great for the production they're getting. But I think you could really see Tomasino move up by next year into at least a full-time third-line role and even maybe into the second line. I'd be interested to know um, he's projected to be – or sorry, on pace to be a 70 to 90th percentile uh, defensive player in the league, according yeah. to the Athletics player cards. Um, defense – it's never been a weakness in his game, but it's not something I associated with him. And that, that's much mm-hmm. higher than the rest of his stats. Although, like yeah. you said, he is in a limited role. So I'd just be interested to know, like, um, do you think that's a change in his game? Something he's improved on? Um, and he had a really great season in the AHL last year, too. Yeah. So. I wouldn't say it's much of a change in his game. I would say he was similar in junior with the Ice Dogs from what I saw. I didn't watch him as much after he moved to Oshawa. But when he was with the Ice Dogs, he was like, he played all situations. Like he played by the end of his Ice Dogs career, he was playing PP1, probably PK1 at points too, plus being a top line role. Like they really relied on him. He can take away the puck. He can really forecheck hard. He's not the biggest guy, but you really wouldn't see that. Like he can really get in hard on the forecheck and work the cycle. So I think his defensive numbers probably come from that more so than his actual role in the defensive zone. I think he's just a good player in possession, which probably influences those numbers. But I wouldn't say it's as much of a change as obviously he's going to improve as he develops. But I think, again, and plus he's probably not playing the level of competition he should be on that fourth line. He's probably dominating those minutes more than he would if, let's say, he was in a non-sheltered role. But I think he could, he will stay a solid two-way player throughout his career. Yeah, that, that Nashville top nine is sort of right for people to jump in. Like, who knows if they're going to have faith in Tolvin and going forward yeah Cunning seems like he's going to be more like a third liner more than anything mm-hmm. um so then Thomasino where would you see him basically in lineup in the future is he a guaranteed top six winger um I think he I think he is like I think that's where I don't know if he's ever going to be let's say like an eight like a point per game guy but I think he can be a play driver in that top six it's more so than a complimentary player so I think you have him on the second line with, let's say, a good shooter. And you can have kind of any sort of center because he has a defensive aspect. So you don't really need a good two-way guy in the middle. But even like a, a complimentary playmaker to both wingers. Because Tomasino has scoring in him. But I wouldn't say that his like his goal scoring is his primary, his primary tool. So I think having that really good release on the left side of him, because if he tends to stay in the right, I don't see him shifting the center. As well as the defensive game is, I think he's more suited for the wing at the NHL level. But I don't see anything as of right now that would stop him from becoming a full-time top six guy within even by next year. Oh, next year. That's spicy of a take. <laughs> like you said, the contracts, I don't know for sure if they'll get in there. They might only have one spot next year with the contracts, yeah. like you said. And Poyle might be like, hey, we want to give whoever this UFA is a bunch of money because I love to do that. Mm-hmm. Like again, be the next Ryan Johansson on the left wing for me. Like, as you (laughs) mentioned, I think Coonan could easily shift down into the third line role, but then because I'm just looking at the lines right now, too. But then you have to decide where you're putting Trinan and Janot, you know, because I don't see either of them really moving to the fourth line. Maybe Trinan, but he's played obviously, he hasn't had the assist this year, but he's been one of their better goal scorers. He's only playing 14 minutes a game, so I think you would see him more in that. And he can, he can kind of work in a checking or scoring role trying in because he's, he's a big body and he can really move his body along the boards. So I think, I, again, it's really hard to say if Forsberg's going to come back. So I think that really is the dependency on whether or not Tomasino really makes that jump next year. It's all really yeah. on the Forsberg situation. I find Trenin's really underrated, but I feel yeah. like when NHL management look at him, they see just a bottom six sort of player because he's so good defensively. You just kind of forget yeah. that he can actually produce. Yeah. But then speaking of the third line, let's jump to Tanner Janot, um, a Kyle Watson favorite. <laughs> <laughs> um, he is leading all rookies in goal scoring, which is insane when you look at the rookie goal class. Yeah. Um, he's played in every Nashville game but one. He averages under 16 minutes. He's basically their top man on the penalty kill. Plays no power play. Um, I also found this in 81 career games so far. So his total games, he's shooting around 21.5%. So he's sort of a person who shoots 
I guess does isn't a volume shooter, but shoots in like the good positions, I guess. Yeah. Um, I guess like, yeah, well, he shoots around 1.3 shots per game. I wrote that down too. So basically like how has he been so good or is this just a lot of like an inflated shooting percentage really making people notice him? I think it's a mix of both. I honestly, if I'm being completely honest, I don't think it's his goal scoring that's making him the most noticeable Nashville fans. Because when you look yeah. at his penalty minutes, which are at 110 <laughs> last time I checked, I think that's really what it is. Obviously, a lot of that, I think he leads the league in fighting majors this year. Oh, does or he? I didn't close to lead. Yeah, he that. has 10, 10 or 11 fighting majors last time I checked. So I wouldn't yeah. even, I wouldn't say penalties really his issue, like in terms of taking penalties that limit his team on the power play. But yeah, he does fight a lot, which I think has really made him a fan favorite for the Nashville fans. Um. But yeah, I think again, there's probably a bit of shooting inflation there, percentage and shooting ah, shooting percentage inflation there. But I could I really see him more as a complimentary guy when he really settles into his full role and probably that shooting percentage comes down a bit. I don't see him being a full-time top six guy, like I said for Tomasino. I could see him more as a really good plug and play uh, middle six guy. So whether you want to move him to the top six to really complement a certain center or you keep him on that third line where he's playing right now, he can play both wings. So that helps too. But I would say he's been really good, but also that, like you said, that percentage probably inflates his performance just a little bit. Yeah. He, he also has 239 hits this year yeah. too. So he seems like sort of, do you think he could be maybe in keeper league talk? Do you think he could be like a future Balti cat sort of stud guy or like oh, a bottom yeah. guy you pick later because the point scoring isn't as high. I think it obviously depends on what your league is in terms of whether you're a bangers league or not. But I think he really is a guy you have to look at, especially in dynasty. I don't think his values there just quite yet in like 10 team redraft leagues in the deeper leagues. I would say for sure, like 12 to 14 teams, depending how many roster spots you have, but in dynasty leagues, I don't see why you wouldn't take a chance on him in your draft. And he's a guy that's only 24. He's only his first full year in the league. He's going to more than likely continue to expand his role with the, with the Predators. So I think he's a guy that you could really bank on to even get up to. Like he's on pace for about, I don't know if he's going to reach 50 this year. I'm just trying to do the math in my head. But he's a guy that could become a consistent 25 goal, 50 point guy, plus have over 200 hits a year. So I think yeah. he's a guy you have to look at specifically for your diet, like especially for bangers leagues and in your categories. But I wouldn't say the points really drag him down just because of how much he provides with those hits. Yeah. He seems like a, maybe a 50 point type guy. Like his yeah. best year could be like, depending on who the center is, it could be like a 25 goal. Like he could probably flirt around 20 goals per year. I would say. Oh yeah. He might be the type of player that just always shoots high. Cause there's a few players who always have high yeah. shooting percentages randomly, but um, yeah. So like a 50 point then multi-cat sort of stud that you want to pick. Yeah, exactly. Like that. I don't think we pick really a range for Tomasino. Would would what would we say for him? Like maybe uh, seventy like, points in his best year, like seventy. Plus? That's what I would say. Like I don't know if he'll ever be a point per game guy. Like I said, because if he continues to focus on his defense, like he has, I don't think he'll ever let his defense go enough to really focus heavily on his offense. And again, like you said, it kind of depends who his centerman is and whether he has that really good shooter on his other wing. Because as of right now, like you said, he's playing with McCarron and Cousins, who's really passing the puck to besides <laughs> on the power play. So he would look if, – if Tolvanen could really bounce back and get to form, he would look really good on a line with Tolvanen, I think. Because Tolvanen could really be that shooter for him. Because I always thought when I watched him with the Ice Dogs, Tomasino was more a playmaker than a shooter, which I think is still prevalent now. But, like, really the only guy I can see looking at this – like, two guys I see on this lineup in Nashville that are really, really – shooters at least on the opposite wing like Duchesne obviously is but I wouldn't see him on as a really a fit with Duchesne but like it's Forsberg and Trinan because Tolvanen just hasn't been good enough this year yeah. I think all Nashville fans know that like nine goals in 64 games when you're supposed to be this finished sniper isn't, isn't good enough they haven't really given him a lot of power play time which has that's also screwed true. me like, over in one league too yeah he was yeah at the end of the year last year on the power play just smashing yeah. goals and this year it's like dude no power play because <laughs> I think it also didn't help beginning of the year. He really was in, he was in an even more limited role. Like I remember at one time, I think he was on the fourth line. Yeah. Now he's back up into the top six, but he's a guy that you really don't know. Like he took longer to get in the NHL than I think some people thought too. 
Yeah. I remember the hype around him before I really got into looking at the Nashville guys. I remember there's a lot of hype from Nashville fans with Tolvanen. And he kind of came into the NHL for a bit. And then he went back down to the A and then kind of flip-flop. And now he's full-time. But this year just hasn't been a great year for him. Hopefully he bounces back well, next year. He, he's a really good KHL player because like, yeah. in the bigger ice service, you don't need to like really – like you've not attacked as much. So when you have way more time, he can just yeah. unload his shot every time. And I think sometimes people forget about that one. But yeah, anything you want to add about your favorite players, you know, Kyle? Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> let me clarify for you, Curtis. Uh, we were doing a Calder episode, and I just have a general problem with voting for older guys. So I didn't put him in my top 10. So no um, Michael Bunting love, eh? No, I mean, I love Michael Bunting. He had as a more player. Michael Bunting love than E2. Yeah, that was, well, <laughs> that was random. I don't know what, what Mike, what E2's agenda is. Um, but I, I wanted to ask, so I actually found out, so you said Janot and Janot. Is it Janot or Janot? I'm pretty Again, sure it's um, Janot. I think like, it's Janot. Yeah. I think it's Janot. I'm still but, getting used to some of my pronunciations on guys because, you know, you have different commentators saying different pronunciations all the time. So I'm going to go with Janot, though. Don't worry, Curtis. I'm probably the worst at pronouncing names. <laughs> yeah. I, I get, like, the North American, like, the people who specifically play, like, around there that I hear I like. But yeah. Anyway, sorry, Kyle. I, I, so I actually heard about him, you know, through, I think I was editing one of your updates way earlier in the season, Curtis. Um, mm-hmm. And I just, it's, I just like to know a bit more, like what a crazy story. He was in the ECHL, what, a year ago? Yeah. Uh, let me see. Yeah. 2019. Oh, I yeah, know. Actually, yeah. Started last year in the ECHL. And then he kind of lit up, he came up to the AHL and just lit it up. He had almost a point, two points per game. And then they brought him up <laughs> close to the end of the year. And then he played, he played in the playoffs, but the playoffs, he didn't really do much. He only had a point. But I think this year's really been a coming out party for him. And again, whether that's shooting percentage inflation or not, I think he is here to stay in the NHL, especially when you have that guy that's going to put up over 200 hits. You know, coaches like that. Yeah. No matter, no matter what old school, new school, like coaches like that big body guy. But I think it is a cool story. Like, obviously living more Toronto area, you see a lot of the, uh, Justin hole came out from the ECHL. So whenever you see guys like that, it's a really cool story, especially that I think that in hockey, the three tier development system still underutilized a bit compared to something like baseball. The ECHL is, is a good league to really, cause, uh, I will, might, I might bring him up a bit later, but Devin Cooley, the one of their goalie prospects. And we want to talk about the ECHL. Sorry, I'm jumping all over the place here. Um, he, it's kind of at that stage where he's too good for the ECHL, but I don't think he's fully at the AHL level yet. And I think, but if he never had that ECHL level to really bounce off of, I think he would have been thrown to the Wolves in the AHL in the first place. So I think really having that league is going to show as we go on the next couple of years, more and more players are going to come up all the way from that league. And I think that's really cool. I'm a big fan of the baseball development system, how they have double A, triple A, and then finally MLB. So I think Janot is a good example of that. And I'm really excited to see how he goes into next year, more so than the rest of this year, to really see what he kind of plateaus at in terms of what his point production is going to be. Did you just say throwing to the Wolves in the <laughs> AHL, the Chicago Wolves? <laughs> was that intentional? <laughs> no, it wasn't hey, intentional, was but one. it does work. Double-edged sword. Double-edged sword. But yeah, actually, I find the ECHL um, and the Capitals do this a lot is really underrated for goalie development. Because yeah. the Capitals always Cali. throw their, their goalie in the ECHL. Then he plays like a year. He comes up, plays a few years in the AHL, and then all of a sudden he's a star goalie in the NHL. Like, yeah, which I think is really of, cool. Yeah, they have one of the like underrated goalie factories that everyone just kind of forgets about. Yeah, and yeah. I think I think it kind of reminds me of pitchers more so because pitchers take some more time. I find than yeah. hitters usually in baseball, so I think it's a good comparable look at pitchers compared to goalies. Cause, and, but goalies are also voodoo. They're going to talk about goalies <laughs> yeah. a bit. Like, he, like I know on the site we talk about having certainty with our goalies, and it's kind of – you just kind of kind of guess a little bit because you never know. You'll have a guy yeah. pop off one year. The next year, he's back in the AHL. I find the certainty so. for goalies goes, like, monthly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. But, yeah, speaking of certainty, I don't know if that's a good segue, but um, there was a trade in the offseason, um, and none of the players are playing in the NHL right now between um nashville and philly um with ellis being traded for myers and patrick who is then swapped for cody glass but we'll just yep. pretend cody glass is in that trade instead um 
So when I was sending you a list cards, I completely forgot about Cody Glass, as I think everyone's kind of forgot about Cody Glass. <laughs> yeah. Everyone seems to forget about the whole trade because Brian Ellis isn't even playing, so it's hard to make fun of Nashville yeah, for a exactly. bad trade, except for putting Myers on waivers. But that's a whole different story. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so he played in the NHL a bit. Obviously, Heinz didn't like him. They sent him down. But in the AHL, I think he, he's picked it up a lot of late right now. He has uh, 50 points in 55 games, just 10 yep. goals. Um, he's shooting around two and a half shots per game, which um, I never really saw him as a big volume shooter. So I think that's pretty good for him. Um, I think his shooting percentage is pretty, rock low, uh, pretty low, though. Um, and also a pro. He's done a great job of... Um, staying healthy so far in the AHL. I think that was the biggest step for him. Um, yeah. So what should we make of him? Do you think he'll be back up this year? Um, or uh, is he next year? With the way Nashville's trending, and I think they have their lineup pretty set for the rest of the year. Unless there's injuries, I think he can maybe slot in. I don't see him coming up until next year. But again, you talk about guys we talked about earlier, Tomasino, Janot, Trinan. Like, there's a lot of guys that are in that kind of middle six range. Going into next year, they don't really know where they're all going to slot in. <laughs> yeah. I think Glass is really – that's why I think there's going to have to be some trades that they really want to get their younger guys in the lineup. But with Glass, I can't remember the exact site name. There's the one site that does advanced uh, stats for the AHL. I can't remember the exact name yeah, of it. 224? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you go look at Milwaukee, I want to say Glass is top three in, besides goals in most of the even strength points per game. Like, he's – Top of primary assist for the Admirals. He's, I want to say he's top three for points per game on even strength. Plus he's played the power play. I don't think he's ever going to reach that level that some people, like a sixth overall pick is supposed to reach. But I could still see him becoming a really good middle six playmaking center. He has, a, I don't, like, again, his goal scoring is hard to say, like 10 goals in the AHL. You don't really know how that's going to project NHL wise. I don't see him ever becoming anything more than max, a 20 goal guy. Like you said, his volume shooting's up a bit this year, but I still don't see really that goal scoring shot more so to say. But I think he could easily still become a good PP two, good third line center in terms of playmaking because he has the, he has the playmaking ability, and it's not just all secondary assists. Like he's getting those primary assists in the AHL, which I think is really important to look at compared to just overall assists. Yeah, I'm. I don't know. I I still think he could be a uh, number one power play guy. Like, I yeah, still believe, it's, it's again. like, I still, yeah. like, I'm surprised Nashville stopped using him on that when their power play was awful last, well, this year to start. And now it's, like, awesome. Yeah. I don't even know how. But, yeah, um, I think he could still be a one power play guy. But I kind of agree with you that he's, like, uh, this, how high he'll be in a lineup is, like, mm-hmm. sort of unknown. Yeah. Like, he definitely again, won't be a 1C, but, yeah. Like, like looking at their lineup, you just locked up Granlin. You still have Johansson, which is basic. After this year, you never know. I still think it's basically an unmovable contract. I don't know who's <laughs> taking Johansson. I had I, I did a mock draft for Seattle, and I thought he was going to be a lock for Seattle because he's from that area. Like, like not specifically from Seattle, but he's from the West. And I just thought it'd be a good almost redemption story to see him go there. But at this point, like, I don't think you can move that contract. So you basically have your two top-line centers locked up till 2025. And then you have yeah. Sissons, who's locked up to 2026, and he's your third-line guy. So <laughs> unless you're moving Cody Glass to the wing, which you already have all your wingers locked up, <laughs> it's really hard for him to make a name for himself. Which, And I don't think he's the type of guy like Tomasino's worked well on the fourth line because I think he has a defensive game. I don't think Glass's defensive game is bad, but I don't see him as good as a fit on the fourth line as someone like Tomasino was. Yeah, he's not so, a player that, like, if you put him on the fourth line, like he's one of those players that skill and you don't want to put your skill on your yeah. fourth line. Like you don't want to put a Ferrari with like your two dump trucks. It doesn't make any yeah. sense, but then you expect yeah. your Ferrari to still pull all the weight of a dump truck. And I don't know if that makes any sense at all. Yeah, no, agreed. So I, he's one of the guys that's going to be interesting to watch, especially in the off season going into next year, depending what moves Nashville makes. If they end up doing, let's say trading someone like Luke Coonan, they don't sign Forsberg. You have guys move up. You can shift Cody Glass into a winger spot on that third line. But as of right now, like his spot, his playing opportunities are very limited in Nashville. But I also think he's a guy a guy they want to keep around because I think they do still think that he has that potential. So if they trade him away, you never know. He could go light up on a, a bottom five team that has the playing opportunities for him. But as of right now, Nashville just doesn't have them in their lineup that I see. Yeah. 
All right, I guess I will move on to the next one because <laughs> want to say <laughs> anything to add on Cody Glass or are we good? No, not, not particularly. I think you guys kind of covered all the bases there. I think he's a player who's still in the NHL, shown an ability to make high-level plays. It's just a matter of consistency and, and staying healthy. Um, mm. I think Nashville is a good place for him to be, and I don't know if there was room for him in Vegas because they're trying to win now. And I'm not saying that Nashville aren't, but – yeah. Vegas has definitely pushed a little harder and, and made moves. And, I mean, they haven't hold on to, held on to any of their first-round picks, I don't think, since they've been in the league. So um, I'm still really rooting for Cody Glass. I think oh, his yeah. NHL numbers have been solid, and I totally agree with the sentiment that he could still be a middle-six playmaking center in the NHL. All right. Well, then we'll jump to the recent 2021 picks. Um, Fedor Svechkov, I didn't write down where they drafted him. Uh, like what number? <laughs> uh, I'll pull it up right now. I have. I don't know if it's a hundred percent relevant, but he was their first of their first round picks last year. He was nineteenth. Um, okay, nineteenth. Yeah. Um, he's played predominantly in the VHL for SKA. Um, thirty-one points in thirty games. Um, he signed there until 2023 Um, I like his skill. I remember reading that some people had issues with sort of his skating. Um, I guess. Uh, do you guys want to take it away and talk about him a bit more? Um, I, do I feel have... like I've been doing a lot of talking, so I was like, I got to oh, get hey. you guys more. You, um, <laughs> I honestly, so I just did an update for Sveshkov, and I almost regret something I said in it because I think looking back on it, it wasn't the best comparison to make. I talked about his offensive production, and I brought up Lundell, but I think you have to consider the time. He's almost, if you look at his NHL I don't know if there's what's the full term for it. I just call it NHL E. I don't know if it's called like NHL expect. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, he's kind of doing the same type of that in the VHL as Lundell was already doing in Liga. So I don't think that's the best comparison to make in terms of offensive production. But I think if you're gonna compare him to Lundell, he is somewhat underrated offensively. Obviously, he is one of, if not the best, two-way guy to come out of the la- last year's draft. And that was highly and he was highly regarded for that at the time. But he's a guy that's very hard to predict. I think I need to see him in the KHL more next year. Hopefully, like, hope and see to make him that make that jump and see how he works in the best on best pro league in Russia, because he's a guy that's. I'm again, I'm not an expert on Russian hockey or European hockey for that matter, so I'm still learning the leagues a lot more than I know right now. But I think he's more a second line guy in ceiling in the future than he is really a high end first line guy and I don't think that's really a surprise to say I think he could really work really well in a two-way role behind a more offensively talented first line center he could really be a good shutdown guy to put up against top lines in the league but until I see him produce more offensively in a better league than the VHL his ceiling's kind of up in the air for me in terms of his point production more so than his actual two-way ability yeah with what do you think about uh, next year in, in SKA? He's got to compete with uh, – actually, is, is Morozov coming over? Because Morozov and Murat Kuznodinov are both centers. Um, but other than that, he doesn't really have a lot of competition in the KHL. Yeah. That's what but I mean. I th- like, if he, can, if he can take on a bigger role – because, again, you never know how – like, as we talked about, if we're going to talk about Askarov, and oh, Russian owners never get happy when you hear their guys want to go over the NHL, especially – when they're this young. So it, I don't know when he's planning on coming over to professional hockey. So if he's thinking of doing it sooner rather than later, you might not see him get the opportunity that we'd hope for. But if he can have a good, let's say he's playing power, like penalty kill and maybe power play time next year in the KHL, plus let's say a third line role, like as long as he's not stapled on that fourth line where he's getting two minutes a game, then I think it's a positive increase from this year. Yeah, Sorry, yeah. Uh, Morisov got traded, so it's just Kuznetinov that he'll have to yeah. compete with, as well as some older guys. Well, SK is, is one of the top KHL, so they might put him in, but he might get, like, fourth line, one-minute game That's what always shifts. worries about me, worries yeah. me about <laughs> Russian prospects. Yeah, they, they don't really love playing their young players over there. It's always, no. you really got to break through. Like, Kaprasov really had to break through to even get a yeah. sniff of anything. And then I think Mitchkov's going to be an exception, too, because he's, yeah, I was yeah. gonna say. <laughs> he's, he's something else. So I think, unless you're really that, like, top three overall guy, you're going to struggle a bit more to get the playing time that you want early on in your career. So then, I mean, um, oh, sorry, go ahead, I keep Kyle. interrupting you. No, no go <laughs> ahead. I was, was, was going to say, even Andre Svechnikov left to join the USHL and OHL, like, and he was, I think he could definitely could have played in the KHL. So, oh, yeah. I think you're completely right on that note. 
Yeah. Um, what type of player do we see Svechkov making if he makes the NHL? I think I kind of already said, like, I don't know if Kyle has a different opinion than I do. I think he's max a, a good two-way second-line center. I don't think he has the offensive upside from what I've seen so far. That can always change. Guys take big leaps when they get more playing time, especially when they're transitioning to the pro game. And you never know how he's going to be coming over to North American ice. But as of right now, I see him as a good, solid second-line center can play against top-line competition. I think he's okay. also going to be blessed in that there's not a lot of centers in Russia. So he's yeah, going to get a like, lot of like play time at big tournaments. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, they, they're always really low on centers. Eh? It's centers and defense. Yeah. Defense, but they, yeah. Wingers, they'll, like, they're probably wingers the and goalies. out there. Yeah. <laughs> and then goalies, too. Yeah. Russia's so underrated. The goal, the goaltending is nuts coming out of Russia right now. Yeah. In the NHL and then it, on the way too, like they have four, like four, like top quality goalies. Obviously, Sorokin's probably the fourth there, but still, like <laughs> Bob Vasilevsky and Shesterkin is a pretty good trio to have. If, yeah. Let's say the Olympics obviously happened this year, that'd probably be their trio at the Olympics, which is pretty absurd. If Samsonov didn't forget sort of how to play, and, he could have been up and there Samsonov. too. And I think they got another one. I just can't think of the name, but yeah. They're kind of scary. Imagine being like, who are we going to start? Uh, Shesterkin or Vasilevsky for this game? <laughs> <laughs> and then especially some people think Askarov can be better than both. So, yeah. Uh, but you let's hold off before we bring up spoilers, guys. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're sticking to 2021. And for that, we'll jump to Zachary LaRue. Or La, I, good luck saying this. Whenever I say LaRue, I just am a member of, of this old wrestler who was called flash the rue and he had these like <laughs> l sideburns and he would just be like this and it was the funniest thing um but yeah uh 50 points in 40 games so far for the halifax mooseheads um has he improved in his d plus one i think that's what it's called season um so he he really started off hot if you look at him recently he's kind of dropped off his point production in the last i want to say 10-ish games he also hasn't been, I don't really like to look at plus minus, but they don't always have the best advanced stats in the junior leagues. And his plus minus hasn't been great the last 10 games too. Um, but he's a type of guy that his discipline's obviously his weakest aspect. And I think that's been like known for all three years of his junior career so far. Obviously I love him. He's one of my favorite prospects in the system just because of the way he plays. Obviously when you take away his discipline, He's a big physical guy who can also score. And I think that's what a lot of coaches like to see. He's not, and he's not even the biggest guy. Like I think he's only five eleven, six feet, but he plays a really physical game. I was honestly surprised he didn't get an invite to team Canada camp. I only got an invite. I know he didn't make the team, but I don't think he got an invite either. Or I don't was, think so. No. And but I was surprised also, by that. It's also team Canada, right? So like. True. True. And he's, oh, again, he'll probably get an invite next year. Yeah. But. I think he's the type of guy I'm really looking to make the leap more so next year than this year. He still improved his point production. I think I wrote down, he's gone up from one point last year. He was 1.18. This year's up to 1.25, which obviously for a first rounder, you probably see a bit more jump. But if you look at Evangelista, who we're going to talk about, um, obviously he didn't have his OHL season last year, but he really, he has really similar NHLE compared to Lahiru. Um, with his D, like his draft year and his D plus, his D plus two. Well, not yet, but Evangelista really has a comparable draft year. So I think if he can really match Evangelista's production next year, that's when you're really going to see what his offensive capabilities are going to be in terms of what his ceiling is. Because as of right now, I was thinking about it today because I knew like we're going to talk about him. I see him, I think I kind of talked about this with Trinan. No, Genoa earlier. He's a guy I see more as like, as I said earlier with Janelle, like a plug and play guy. There's really no role he can't play. He's kind of whoever every center, like he's going to be, you know what he is. He's a big power forward. He can score. He might take some stupid penalties, but you can kind of play him in a checking role. You can play him in a scoring role. It kind of just depends what his, who his line mates are. Yeah, I'd say he's more of a smaller power forward, but yeah. Yeah, I get it. yeah exactly. Five eleven. Yeah, he's got. Yeah, the everyone loves his battle level and scoring ability. Um, mm -hmm. where was he drafted again? He was he was still a first round pick, right? Yeah, twenty seven. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Um, I guess so. Then we'll just move on to the goaltender we were discussing before in Askarov, the big draft pick of twenty twenty. Um, he for me he was previously anointed as the future best goalie. But um, 
everyone's just sort of thrown him to the side with uh, Casa and Waldestad being drafted and a few other goalies popping out. Yep. Everyone's just kind of um, forgot about him. Um, Kyle, you uh, brought up that he's barely played this season. Um, it's been more of like, I guess we would say a punishment because he sort of, I think, I don't know if quietly or out loud, he's talked about wanting to play in North America, but it seems like in Russia, they want, like I read a rumor and I don't know if it's you telling, was telling me at Kyle, or if I read it somewhere that there's a rumor that he's being punished for not signing an extension. I believe I read that somewhere. Um, and that's pretty much why he's had like no games played. Um, so I think their plan is to bring him over to North America next year. Um, Hopefully. Yeah. Uh, um, so has this year hurt his future at all? I don't want to say it's hurt his future. Obviously, I think it's more recency bias. You're going to see people more down on him now than they were, let's say, last year. And I also don't think, obviously, you don't want to take the World Juniors into account very often, but I feel like everyone, every time he was in the, playing a game in the World Juniors, also there was always people that were bashing on him. So I think maybe their expectations were too high. And I know for some reason the World Juniors, he couldn't keep a stick in his hands. I remember <laughs> that was the issue. Don't know why that was, but he was the one goalie that couldn't keep a stick in his hands. But um, I think it's really going to take him coming over to North America to get, again, like we said, goalies are voodoo. You never know what a goalie's going to do. He could easily come over to North America and flame out. No, that's going to happen. But he just really needs to get his consistent playing time back. And I don't think that's going to happen until he signs his professional contract. Because from here on out, his relationship with uh, SKA is soured. I think that even though it might not be completely public, but you can just tell by his playing time. Because he does not deserve to play 15 games in total throughout the regular season this year between the VHL and KHL. Yeah, I think um, he'll have a good opportunity and not necessarily in Nashville, but in Chicago, if because they have Riddick's deal is up this year. Obviously, they have Saros. Sorry to interrupt. They're back in Milwaukee this year. Chicago was last year. They were only oh, yeah? Jordan season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Anyway, um, <laughs> but because but I think Ingram will probably be the backup in Nashville and then they'll let Uskarov start. Yeah. In the A. That'd be, so, that, yeah. I, th- I think it's there's it's I think there's n- not a lot of reason to worry. I mean, goaltenders take or develop when they're a little bit older. So I mm-hmm. think he's still very at an age where he's still very a malleable prospect. And uh, I think if he gets in the hands of the Nashville system uh, and they work with him on the few, you know, things that need to be ironed out of his game, uh, I still think you have one of the, if not the most athletic goalie prospect on planet Earth, um, who's capable of making saves that I've frankly never seen from another goaltender um so yeah it, it's interesting to me though that they picked him with saros because um, they're kind of yeah. in a position where uh, you're not you don't really see a lot of guys run that would probably be the best one to do in the league if they were to run it like yeah in, in two three years so i don't know uh, and especially because they picked up ingram too so I, mm-hmm. I don't know what they're up to but i, I guess it's uh it's a good problem to have to have too many good goalies because you can always oh, yeah. just trade one for improving in other areas so and I touched on this in Ingram's most recent update too. I don't want to say he doesn't have an opportunity in Nashville, but when you have a guy like, like Askarov coming up behind him and you already have Saros in front of him, it's almost depending how fast. Cause I think, I think something you got to look at in terms of context for goalies now is the Carter Hart effect. I think since Carter Hart's coming to Lee at such a young age, a lot of fans that aren't, I don't want to say un, not educated, it's not the word I'm looking for but don't look at prospects as much or now they're saying, Oh, Hey, we have this really good goalie prospect. He should be up by next year, yeah. which was never really the case. But now you also see with like Shesterkin's coming up sooner than probably some expected Sorokin's in the league pretty early, like goalies starting to come in the league earlier. And some goalies just can't do that. They take more time. I don't think that's something you got to bash on the guy for like, how old is he? He's like, he's a 2002 baby. He's younger than I am. Like, yeah. I, I, like, he's not even 20. He's not even 20 years old yet. So I think, they got to take his time. I think he could at least spend two years in Milwaukee unless he absolutely dominates. And I don't think that's a bad thing. You have Soros. You don't need to rush him. The best thing for them would be they let Soros continue playing. And then worst case, by the time he comes in and fully takes over a starting role, they either ship Soros out or you have one of the best two punches in the league, like Kyle said. So yeah. I think Nashville definitely doesn't have an issue in goalie in, in, in between the pipes. But I think that fans might have to temper their expectations a bit in terms of how fast he's going to be in the league. Yeah, I, I think with, um, like you said, with Saros, they basically have all the time in the world to let Askarov yeah. develop. And when they feel like he's where he should be, they can just ship Saros out. 
Um, yeah. Uh, also, Spencer Knight has really inflated that because I remember oh, he's he's and, like 21 and, like, yeah. and everyone's like, oh, he should be the starter in Florida. And yeah. you see, like, he'll play two good games and then after a few games, it's all of a sudden numbers dip and it's like you yeah. got to realize young goalies are going to take a bit. So, yeah, like you said, thanks to Carter Hart and um, <laughs> Knight, it's it's inflated people's expectations, but they don't have the benefit of playing in the KHL like Shesterkin and Sorokin did for a while. Yeah. So, but yeah, I was also surprised how quickly they translate, but at the same time, they were also amazing. So yeah, it's just exactly. the ice. And once you're used to it, it's just mm-hmm. bam. So yeah, um, I guess the other pick in 2020, their second round pick, um, captain of the London Knights, Luke Evangelista, you've heard him a few times. Um, <laughs> recently, he hit the century mark in like the perfect 50-50 split. So I yeah, thought that was pretty cool. I was to, like, yeah. no way. <laughs> that's hilarious <laughs> to do. Um, I, I don't know, for me in 2020, I had him as more of a late first round guy, um, but he also slipped to the second round. Um, yeah, what do you guys want to say with him? Kyle, Kyle, you can tee it off because you're the London boy. Yeah. All right, so... Yeah, when when so obviously Evangelista is you know another one of these London Knights kids where in their first year you know they get really really sheltered minutes. In Evangelista's case, I don't even think I think he might have had an assist. That's about it. Um, and then in, in his second year, uh, in his draft year, he was a point per game with only like two or three uh, power play points, which is nuts. And then watching him at the start of the year, obviously he missed that year. Um, the hunters like to make a guy. I mean, before Evangelist, it was McMichael, and before yeah. that, it was Martyr. They they like to make one guy their guy and just run him, let him run the team, let him run the power play, play him all the time, twenty five minutes a night. And you could just see from the first week of the season that Evangelista was playing with such a swagger, and he was trying things that he'd never try again. And he has just not taken his foot off the gas pedal all year long. He's yeah. finding he has a thousand ways to score with his hands, the shot, playmaking. Um, and I think, you know, he has an argument to me to make for MVP of the OHL this year. He's been that good. Um, and I think, you know, everyone says, you know, the London Knights, they turn out prospects. Um, Evangelista is just another one in the long line. But I think it's important to take the time and, and, and say that the last person to score 50 goals for the Knights was 2016. It was Christian Dvorak. Like, he, he is putting himself in that elite category. He's not just, you know, having a season that's, right below like the Marners and the Canes like he is having one of the best seasons from a London night that we've ever seen yep. and he's not on a line with Kachuk and, and Dvorak like he, he's <laughs> yeah. doing this mostly by himself he's playing with Cody Morgan and Antonio Strangos who are excellent junior players in their own right but he is by far the dominating force on this team um, and I, I, I think that he's kind of taken put into sleep all any reservations people had about him being a smaller guy um, because he's able to make time and space for himself. And he, he was able to do that in his draft year and all the more so now. And uh, I know how hard he trained in his year off um, with Josh Robel, and it's it's paying off now. And um, I think Nashville are looking really smart with these past two drafts. Uh, mm-hmm. And Evangelist is a big reason for that. I mean, I don't know what else I can really add besides Kyle. <laughs> what Kyle said, he pretty much got all of it covered. Um, I think he's ready for the pro game by next year. I think he, I'm pretty sure he's eligible. He should be yeah, eligible. I was going to ask that. I'm like, I'm, I think this is, would be technically his fourth year in the OHL. It is. Um, uh, yeah. Because yeah. they're missing the year. So, like, he can't yeah. go back to the CHL. So he's either NHL or AHL. Well, he's yeah. signed too, right? So, yeah, he can't play. Well, he's not going to play a fifth year anyway, but like, he no, can't. He, so I see him ready for pro game by next year. I think that's pretty, uh, pretty prevalent that, like, it's pretty obvious that he's ready. Um, so you're saying again, he's a potential Calder candidate for next year or like I AHL don't think he's program? NHL. I think it's AHL okay. pro level. Okay. The only so thing is, again, whatever the AHL rookie of the year. Is I can't remember the maybe name that one. It. Yeah, I've, I've only ever seen an NHL. Well, like it's not the Calder. That's the trophy. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's something. I forget what it is. But anyway, yeah. So keep going. Sorry, I cut you off, Carter. No, 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 no. Don't worry. Um, He's I think, again, like a lot of the OHL guys that like, again, he played pro last year, but only 14 games. In, in with Chicago when they were in Chicago last year. He's a guy that I really don't know what his ceiling is. Originally, I had him as a good – I don't. I feel like I'm repeating myself with half of Nashville's forward prospects. He's, <laughs> he was a good middle six power play guy. 
which I, I thought was the case. But when you see a guy like this pop off so much and without pretty much a lot, with pretty much a lost year of development, because 14 games isn't a lot. And he would have had, again, a prominent role with the Knights last year, like going into this year too. It's really hard to say how far he can go. And I like, I think that's really good for Nashville with a team that's always struggled to, let's say, develop forwards. Like Pat said, Pat's not a huge Nashville forward guy. Um, I think that's a good, good problem to have that you don't know what he can do because I think his ceiling is potentially so high that, again, I don't think he's ever going to be a first-line guy that he can really, like, have that point-per-game guy in the NHL, but he could easily become eventually another top-six guy like Tomasino can. But, again, that's just based off this year. You really have to see how he transitions to the pro game next year in a full-time role because last year was pretty limited. He only had the four points in 14 games with no goals. So it really, it really, I think to really get a more good sense of his ceiling going into the NHL, you really have to see how he go, does in his first year or two with Milwaukee. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he's for sure going to be a top six uh, forward. It's just a matter for me if he's going to be like what we thought he was in his draft year, which is a player that can slot on any line and kind of mm-hmm. compliment whoever he plays next to or if he will be a guy that drives his line like he's been able to do this year in the OHL. And I think you're right that we will be able to make a better judgment next year. And I think he'll probably start in Milwaukee and that's the right place for him. Yeah. So with sure. Nashville being flooded at center, like you said, or basically with, I guess is also a good description is flooded with one-way contracts, basically watching Washington. It's like, yeah, it's all one-way contracts. Good luck making yeah. a team, but we probably, he's probably going to make more of an impression as a winger then. Right. Is he playing center in London? I just I think I'm completely blanking right now. He's playing wing. Yeah. Is yeah, he okay? Yeah, just wing. Yeah, no one pay attention to me about this guy. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Winger. I don't know. I was just looking at him. I was like center. I just had center in my mind. But yeah, okay. So future winger then for sure. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, Pat, you cut out on that last point. Oh, um, a winger in the top six. It's not that important. Oh, okay. Just no, pretend okay. it was something really smart. <laughs> come on brain be so yeah. smart come i on. am smart smrt <laughs> um so then we'll homer jump to their that's a homer simpson line right? yeah i know i, I think everyone would have got that come on <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so okay so jumping to 2019 i think he was their highest selection in 2019 i kind of forget who was if anyone was selected before it but Igor afanasayev uh, yeah, he sort of slipped to the second round. I think lots of people were surprised. Um, right now, he's jumped to the AHL. Last year, I think he was loaned to the KHL. So this year, he's back in the AHL after, I think, OHL, something, CHL. Yeah. He went, um, he's with Windsor, and then he went back to Russia last Then he went to Russia last year, and then he is with Milwaukee this year. Yeah. Yeah, that was, I think, with the whole league shutdown, it just, it's easier for him to play in the whole KHL, VHL, MHL. Um, but yeah, so 27 points in 62 games for Milwaukee. Um, an interesting thing I found is he's actually third on the team in shots. Um, so it's not like he's not creating anything, um, for rookie scoring in the AHL, he's 35th, but there's actually a randomly underratedly pretty good crop of rookies in the AHL this year. I don't know if people really, but a pro for him is he's actually 10th in rookie shots so like he's still trying yeah he's just obviously i don't think he's as high in the lineup as glass is um but yeah what do we want to say about him you asked me earlier about overrated prospects (laughs) in the system and i don't want to say he's overrated as in terms of i don't think he's going to be good i just don't think he might be as good as some originally would have thought he has a lot of the raw tools maybe besides a really strong defensive game, which I think he still still lacks a bit. But I just haven't seen, like you said, he's getting the volume shots, which is great. But I really need to see him start scoring on a more consistent basis for me to say I'm confident in him having a high offensive upside in the NHL. Because right now I think he could be a solid bottom six guy, more, more so a third liner than a fourth liner. Because he, has, he does have the tools to play on more fourth line besides the defensive game, obviously. But he's got the build. He can, he's, he can work an offensive like he can work in the cycle. He can work off the rush because he's not for his size. He's honestly not a bad skater either. I just think I need to see him really break out next year with the actual goal scoring coming through. Besides just the volume and shots, for me to really be confident, I can say, hey, 
this once thought of as a top six winger could really still get to that level. Yeah, he's he's six three, and like you said, he's a bigger forward. And usually, bigger yeah. forwards can sometimes take a longer time to develop. So it's not like he's going to develop right away. He might take yeah. a longer path and come up to the NHL when he's like 24, 25, somewhere in there. Um, has he basically impressed you or not impressed you since his last year? I guess when you say overrated, he's kind of not really impressed you. I can't really say a lot from last year because, again, this is really my first year taking over with the Nashville prospects. So I'm not going to give him – I don't really have much of an opinion from last year. Obviously, he – he like for a D plus one in the KHL, six points in 16 games is pretty solid. Some guys don't produce nearly as much because they usually get even more limited playing time. But – and he's produced on the international level like five points in last year's World Juniors in seven games. Um, just – Again, I don't want to say he's not impressed me this year, just coming in and taking over the Nashville system and seeing how Nashville fans rate him so highly. I just don't think I've got to that level where I completely agree yet. And I think that if the production flows in better next year when he gets maybe a more expanded role, because he's kind of flip-flopped over the lineup. He's played right wing, he's played left wing, he's played up the lineup, down the lineup. I think if he can really become more consistent in his production, then I might get up more to that top six level that people once thought of him as. Yeah, he's tough to predict right now, Hank, with yeah. all over. He still needs another year or two in the AHL at least. Yeah, anyway. for sure. Anything, Kyle, do you want to add on him? Or you don't, you never really oh. followed him that much. He's oh. sort of an enigma to kind of follow because he was like here yeah. and then yeah. four here, leagues in four years. Here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that can also wear on a player too, like a whole bunch of different leagues. Mm-hmm. Like was he, you have a, a site open right now. Was yeah. he, where was he before he was in the OHL last so year? So like, he went two years in the USHL. Yeah. Then he went to the OHL and then he played last year. He played at least one game in the MHL, VHL and KHL. Yeah. So, so sometimes players going USHL to like OHL, there can be, or like the yeah. opposite way. It can, I don't know. I, it sometimes affects players. Some players, it works a lot better. Some players, it doesn't. Some players are Tyler yeah. Boucher and it doesn't work either way, but um <laughs> i just wanted to get that in there um yeah but i don't know he's still a player you need to wait and see right oh, a lot yeah. of people like him maybe nashville fans overrate him a bit but maybe he is also that good and we just don't really see it that much yet but um speaking of another player um i found nashville fans really overrated and i, I kind of found a lot of people did because he's kind of vanished now um david ference I knew um, I knew exactly who that's who you're segueing. Yeah. Into. <laughs> I was like, everyone was talking about him so highly. He's like, he's gonna be this amazing scoring star from um the NCAA. It was Boston University. Boston. Um and he's just kind of not really hit that level yet. Like he does 14 yeah. points in 46 AHL games. Um like his skating is really good. Can't complain about his skating at all. Yep. He's got he's good at stick handling, but it just seems like he can't get that production to hit since hitting yeah. the higher leagues um i think he sort of had the same issue in college he really didn't break out i want to say until his third year with boston that's where he played um like he went nine points and 31 then crept up to 20 and 37 and then in his third third year he got he was over a point per game he's 43 and 34 so maybe he'll just take a bit more time to transition offensively obviously he's played more of a limited sheltered role this year when he's played because i know the last few games he hasn't even been in the lineup and at points, he's been a seventh defenseman. Like, they've been running seven defensemen in Milwaukee at times. Because um, I honestly thought he started off the year pretty well. Like, 14 points in 46 games for a rookie defenseman isn't bad. Like, especially for a guy that's, again, like, it's his first year. He played a couple yeah. games for Nashville last year after he signed, which I think was a good sign. And I don't think his defensive games really let him down either. Like, I don't think it might be where Nashville wants it to be. But I don't think he's a liability on the ice when he's on there. And like you said, he has a skating ability. He can quarterback a power play when he's given the opportunity to. So I think he's more of a guy that needs a bit of time, but also one of the my underrated prospect I'll talk about later. I'm not going to say his name yet, but he had a higher D plus one NHLE in NCAA than Ferentz did, and he was taking a whole round later. Not the same year, but I think he could potentially become the more highly rated defensive prospect in the system. Maybe that was more due to opportunities because Fabro was at BU, so he wasn't he wasn't really given the range right away. Like I think this other guy was with his university, but I think that is something to look out for. That I don't think Ference might technically stay as the best defensive prospect in the system, at least in my eyes. But it's hard to say so far. Yeah, I think he was 
he's more known for like offense. I never really thought his defense was that good, but it might have been when I saw him in the NHL or a few times yeah. in the AHL. It's been kind of like overwhelmed, sort of. Sometimes That's why like, I, don't think, like... I don't think it's bad, but I don't think like I don't think he's at the level where they want to be at, but I also don't think he's completely a liability. I think he's yeah. more as a younger player still adjusting to the pro game. So it might be overall in the time, but I think once he settles in, he'd be fine defensively. But I, again, I agree with you that he's more the offensive guy than defensive. I think sometimes it's like forgotten. Like when players are so good in, let's say, the OHL or the CA, they kind of dominate and they yeah. forget what it's like to play with players who are a lot better in a higher league, like the AHL, who be like a fourth round or a fourth line guy. And yeah. they think they can escape everything. They've been doing it for like two and a half years. And then, oh, wait, you can't escape it. Everyone's on you a lot different. And it's a huge adjustment for them. So mm-hmm. that's a thing. Um, anything you want to add, Kyle? No, I, I think I know who the underrated prospect is. So now <laughs> oh. I just want to hear it. <laughs> okay, well, before we get to that, um, I just want to make a small note on You guys already touched on him, though. But Connor Ingram, like he's, he's bounced back in a big way this yeah. year. He took, like a lot of the last year, he was off because of the substance abuse he took. Um, well, not substance abuse he took. That sounds weird. Uh, the leave of absence due to what the NHL calls their substance abuse program. That's what I meant. Um, but yeah, he's got like a 915 save percent. And like yeah. for me, oh, wait, also with Riddich, Riddich is a UFA next year. Saros is, or Saros Ingram's deal next year is one way. So like it's better to pay him, I think, 800000 or whatever in the NHL than it is in the AHL. Um, I still see him as a number one goalie. Like, maybe that's just me. I don't know. You might, yeah, mm-hmm. you, maybe I just overrate him. Like, personally, I've always liked him. And I think, like, he's always had great numbers in the AHL. And even before yeah. that, even in Tampa system. But then he had the whole deal with Tampa, and they gave him away for a seventh. But um, I don't know. I like him. I still think he can be a number one goalie. Like, he's not going to be a number one goalie the way Saros is or the way Askarov will be in the future. It's more like, I think he can just, yeah, I, I don't know. I like him. And I think Tampa gave him away. And I think Nashville's going to be able to put him in like the perfect transition role where he's the backup for a yeah. year or two. And then they can ship him out because they see his numbers are good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I forgot um, what else I was going to say, but yeah. T- touching on him. Uh, I don't know if he'll be, like you said, you said he won't be Soros level, but I could agree with you that he could end up being like a 1B guy, 1A, 1B. I see him more as a good, a good solid NHL backup personally. He's really been one of the most consistent stars in the AHL this year, like a 0.915 coming off what was a really rough season for him off the ice and on the ice last year, which has been really good to see him bounce back. Again, I'm not really a goalie expert. I was scouting a game for, of Devin Cooley the other day, so I still got to look at more of actual Ingram's play, but he has the frame. 6'2", 196 is a good frame for goalie. And obviously he's had consistent enough numbers when he's been playing in the AHL. Like before he had his leave of absence last year, like the year 1920 at a 0.933 in 33 games with Milwaukee, which is great. And a 0.915 this year in 46 games is still great. Milwaukee's been a really solid team. And watching Cooley's game the other day, maybe the defensive help helps a little bit because I found their defensemen do block a lot of shots. Maybe that's just the game I was watching. But I think he can still make the jump to the NHL. I just don't know if I personally see him as a full-time starter as more so like a 1B backup type guy. Well, we can agree to disagree there. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But again, I'm no goalie expert, so. I am. No, I'm not. But yeah, I just pretend. Um, okay, well, I guess that would go through our whole list of Bill players, unless, Kyle, you wanted to drop anything on Ingram, or you're good? No, I'm sort of no, the Ingram I... fan here, lone Ingram fan. It's fine. No, I think he's definitely shown starter potential at times in his career. Uh, and he's having a good bounce back year. Um, so I think again with, I think we said with, um, oh, damn, I forget. <laughs> I, I think it'll be uh, next year as, as a backup yeah. uh, with Saros where we see his true NHL potential. Um, now that, you know, he's kind of at the point in his career where it's make or break. Yeah, I think he's For snuck sure. in a couple NHL games too. If I yeah, oh, yeah. I think he's played two this year. You got a yeah, shout out, not like he? a lot. Am I losing and... it? Maybe. It seems wait, like whenever first I, game. Well, was I'll he playing up. the Leafs? Because there, there's a <laughs> there's a big article that was like Connor Ingram's journey to the NHL. Uh, yeah. I don't know if I can look at his game log in the NHL, but we'll see. I'll I'll try to pull it up when you guys are talking. 
Oh, um, well, the next was going to <laughs> basically be you giving us your underrated and overrated prospects. But okay, um, I could throw a little note in there. Like, um, like I was saying to you to start um, with Nashville, they're a team that I've always viewed as the offense just dies in Nashville, except for apparently if you're a defenseman. Um, yep. But Yossi might hit 100 points this year, which is nuts. But like which Weber and Suter always had a ton of points. Yossi always had a ton of points. Yeah. But any forward they got would be like 50 points. Yeah. Like Ryan Johansson scores 30 goals, goes to Nashville, seven goals and 30 assists. It's like, what? <laughs> that was also a huge drop-off. I don't understand that. Understand yeah. that. And then like somehow... Poyle did know that Duchesne just only likes to really shoot up his stats contract years. But then this year, it's like he thinks it's a contract year. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe they said, like, we'll buy you out if you're not here. (laughs) He's like, oh, crap. But yeah, I don't know. I've also, as a Devils fan, I was not a fan of Hines. And I'm really surprised he got so much um, offense out of everyone in Nashville. So, like, I got to give him props for that. Although that might be disguised with how good Soros is. But yeah, um, I guess if you want to give us your underrated or overrated prospects for Nashville, yeah. Kyle, do you have any of those too? Or you're just like, ah, oh, it's just Nashville. They have a lot of good ones. Luke Evangelist is underrated. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's too. not, I don't think that's actually wrong. Like, I don't think that's a bad thing to say at this point. Yeah, yeah. But um, let's jump into your, this this underrated yeah. guy. You you gave us a sneak And I'll do, of. I'll do the quick note too. He went, th- uh, Ingram went 33 for 35 in his first game this year. Huh. That's what it was. Still good though. Yeah. Um, so my underrated guys talk about was Ryan Ufko, who plays for Northeastern. Ryan who? I think I had to pronounce his last name. Ufko? 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 Okay. I, no, I, I just, I, I didn't hear it. So that's just why. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, like he had 31 points in 37 games this year as a, as a freshman, which I think is great. And oh. when you compare it to Ference had nine in his whole freshman year, but again, could be opportunity or sorry, not Northeastern, sorry, UMass, not Northeastern. Um, so uh, I don't know where his defensive level is at yet. That was kind of what was compared. I saw a lot of comparison to Tyson Berry coming out of the draft with uh, him, which obviously being a Leafs fan, Tyson <laughs> Berry was great with us. But I know what Tyson Berry plays like, so I really get the comparison. Um, and apparently one of his big issues coming out of the draft is physicality, but I read some quotes about him from his teammates and his coach. And for a smaller defenseman, like 5'10", they say he can move his body pretty well in terms of throwing hits around, which is good good to see. I think he needs to work on his box outs in front of the net a bit more when that comes to physicality. But if he can, like, if he jumps in production from this, from 31 and 37 to an even better year next year, like, it's kind of hard to doubt his offensive ceiling. Obviously, you want to see his defensive game get better as a defenseman. But when you're talking about offense with Ference, I don't think it's fair to not bring up. Um, Okay, so I'll just try to, I'll kind of repeat myself because there's a freeze. Um, so basically, like I saw a lot of his teammates stuff were saying about his physicality that apparently it's a lot better than originally coming out of the draft, as it was talked about. But I just think that if we're talking about Ference and his offensive game, we kind of have to bring up his as well. Because I think, like, again, it might be a bigger opportunity because Fabro was at BU when Ference was coming in. So that could be more of the context behind it. I'd have to go back and look and see how much Ference was actually playing, to be fair to him in terms of point production. But I don't see Ufko, like Ufko making the jump to professional within the next two years. So he, he can continue being the number one guy for UMass. That's a big, big deal for him. If he can keep jumping his point production, like if he's over a point per game next year, I think that's great. I think that's where he should be if he's at 31 and 37 already. But I think he's a guy you really have to look at, especially as a team like Nashville, who's been known, as you mentioned, Pat, for bringing up more offensively talented defensemen, like the point production. He's a guy that could really thrive in a place like Nashville. If Yossi lets him have any time. He's, he's a righty. <laughs> he's a righty. So he can. Oh, okay. He can, he can Where was. Right side. When was he drafted? Or he was this year. year. He was 2021. Oh, really? That's yeah. Cool. Round four. Oh. He's a Chicago Steel. Mm-hmm. Which I mean, um, Chicago Steel has pretty good track record so far. So. Cool. All right. Any Anyone else? Um, I thought really the only other underrated one I looked at was I like, I like Devin Cooley, the goalie. I'm currently scouting him a lot more right now just to get a better deal of him. Cause again, behind Ingram and Askaroff, like the goaltending is kind of up in the air. Vomaka, I like, I don't know what's going to happen with Vomaka and Volkov. Volkov kind of looks like he's going to be in Europe for the time being. There's really been no talk of him coming up over to North America. Vomaka has been in the ECHL this year and he has been great. 
but Cooley's been the backup in Milwaukee most of the year because he dominated, like I said, he dominated last year in the ECHL. He played a couple games this year, had like a .955 in the ECHL. So they finally brought yeah. him up. He's been the full-time <laughs> backup. He's got a great frame. The only thing is, like, he's technically a few months older than Ingram is, and he's not at the level that Ingram's at yet, and even Ingram's not at, in the NHL yet, so it's kind of hard to see what his ceiling is. But I think that he has some raw tools, especially I like watching him. He can really track the puck really, really well. And he competes. He competes his ass off. I think he still needs to work a bit on his actual movement in the, in the net. He's a bit choppy sometimes moving side to side, and he kind of overplays the puck at times. But if he's a guy that you never know, he can play, be a fringe guy, you never know, play some games, fill in. For Nashville, I think that's a win for a guy that was undrafted and was signed as a free agent. Yeah, so it's probably going to be him him and Askarov next year in the AHL battling it out, hey? Yeah, Maybe split that's, starts. That'd, that'd be a good bet, yeah. That's cool. All right, and I think we've already kind of covered the overrated ones, like Ferentz. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. I don't know. I, still, I, I still like Ferentz overrated. Yeah, I mean, I mean, overrated. There's so many like okay, maybe overrated last year. How about that? Like last yeah, year, he was okay. really overrated. Yeah. What was okay? Because mo- most of what I saw him was just purely on production. Like um, Mason Black, who does the NHL E for us, always posts NHL E leaders, and he was at the top all year long. Yeah, yeah. So, like, like Ufko right now, based on Dauber's NHL E, I I use Brian Bader's a lot. That was the one I was kind of. Looking at you mean you like, use Dauber prospects a lot, both like both, <laughs> but Ufko's projected at like a first, like over a first line potential right now in his NHL on Dauber, which yeah. is like it's hard, it's hard to ignore that. Which I thought was really interesting when I was going through and trying to find my underrated prospect. I had no idea he was having that kind of year. I, I knew yeah. he was a guy that Chicago was really high on, and mm-hmm. uh, I was kind of surprised how far he dropped given that anyone who Chicago's high on is, is usually snatched usually up the first good. couple of rounds. Yeah. But wow, that's a crazy freshman year, like, especially yeah, for a like fourth round. His NHLE right now on Dauber 68, which is <laughs> just over the threshold for first line potential. So everyone in Keeper League should add that guy up, hey? If you have I room. don't see why you wouldn't, yeah. yeah. You're here first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so I guess that's all we have to discuss, unless anyone wants to drop an extra note or anything like that, no? All right. Well, perfect. So I guess that's all. Um, you can follow us on Twitter. Mine is FHP Quinn. Um, their course going to be down here. Kyle's is? At Kyle underscore on W. Uh, and Curtis, what's your Twitter handle? Even though at, it'll be underneath. But this is for the people who are listening. <laughs> at Curtis underscore Rhines. Just yeah. pretty simple. Okay. Well, yeah, that's easy. Maybe... <laughs> um, how do you spell Rhines? R-I-N-E-S, oh, hey? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, people might put a Y in there. like. Oh, no, it's happened before. It's happened before. They might tweet the other Curtis Rhines, and he might be like, leave me alone, guys. <laughs> I don't know anything about Nashville. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right, well, I guess that's all. So um, thanks for tuning in, everybody, I guess, who's watching or listening. So bye. <laughs>